0: You guys are always asking me for podcast recommendations, and you know that I love bringing you amazing story driven shows for you to dive into. Well, I've got another one for you that I think you will absolutely devour called You Probably Think This Story's About You, right? Think of it as a bingeable pod hosted by your best friend's cooler older sister, the one who's been there, done that, and lived to tell the tale so we can vicariously bask in the lessons learned. Lessons like love betrayal, and the far-reaching consequences of one man's destructive and deceitful lies. You probably think this story is about you, is filled with the same heavy topics you've grown to love as a Hunbot or a Hunbro. Truth, mental health, relationships, self-discovery, growth, and healing. It's a relatable story of a woman's journey to find the answers she needs and all of the entangled lives she meets in her quest for truth in a complicated tale of love, loss, strength, resilience, and sisterhood. And the show is just beautifully done. You feel like you're sitting in on a conversation versus a traditional hosted show, and I know you guys love that format. Just wait until you meet Kanan. You'll be hooked too. Listen and follow You Probably Think the Stories About You wherever you listen to podcasts. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans were $15 when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They don't have retail stores or salespeople. Instead, they deliver premium phone plans directly to you. In fact, all plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And at a time when everything is just getting more expensive, it's refreshing to know that I'll only be cutting costs and not quality. In fact, at $15 a month, I'll be saving over $110 every month. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, and you can bring your phone number and all of your existing contacts and ditch overpriced wireless. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month, go to mintmobile.com slash after MLM. That's mintmobile.com slash after MLM. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash after MLM. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three month plan only. Speed slower over 40 gigs on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for details. Hey. I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Hey, welcome to Life After MLM's Lula Rich companion series, Lula Bitch, a place you can come to find all the tea and everything that was left on the cutting room floor. You're about to hear the personal accounts of the people affected by the MLM LuLaRoe. These stories are our own personal opinions, accounts, and allegations of our experiences within the cult. Some stories may be triggering. Please listen at your own discretion. Okay, you guys, you've been asking, and we've been trying to get together, and we finally found a time where we're both free, so I would like to introduce to you my friend, Becca Peter. Hi, Becca.
1: Hi, Roberta.
0: And I didn't even tell you guys welcome to Life After MLM, so welcome. (laughs) I'm just so excited to see your cute face. Um, so for those of you who have not seen Lula Ridge, you probably have no idea who Becca Peter is, but she was instrumental in this film even being made. So the people that are calling her weird, we're going to address you guys first. Um, but first I want you, well, actually before all of that, first, I want you to introduce yourself and then we will address some of the questions that we keep seeing in these comments (laughs) all over the internet.
1: Hi, I'm Becca Peter and I am in Lula Ridge.
0: (laughs) Um, I loved seeing you in Lula Rich because we've been friends for so long, but usually your Facebook picture is just a picture of your adorable children. And so like, I never really see your face, even though I know what it looks like. So it was so wonderful <laughs> to see your face. I was like, oh yeah, there she is. So it was really, really great. Um, please explain to people how you even, cause the, one of the main questions that I see people say is like, why is this woman who has no affiliation with LuLaRoe whatsoever, did not sell it, did not buy it, has literally no skin in this game. Why is she so obsessed? Um, I, I know that it's not an obsession. Um, I mean, maybe it is, but but my question is, how did LuLaRoe even cross your path that you were even able to get obsessed in the first place?
1: Well, I guess I'll just start at the beginning. So it's kind of a long story and I'll try to keep it short. Um, So my background is actually sports. Um, I grew up in gymnastics. I wasn't very good, but I loved it. And then in high school, I got recruited to join the track team and be a pole vaulter uh, because girls pole vault was new at that time. When I was in college, I started a website, polevaultpower.com in 2002. And and so the main thing that was on my website was a message board. And this was, before, this was before social media, like there was no Facebook, there was no MySpace, um, there was no Twitter. And my message board just very quickly became like the place on the internet where everyone who was involved with pole vaulting went. Um, and so for a long time, I mean, it was very <laughs> vibrant. Um, and then eventually I you know, like social media came along and there were more places for people to connect. And I just kind of got burned out on moderating discussions about pole vaulting technique. <laughs> um, And I, you know, I graduated college and uh, got involved with the sport in a lot of other ways, uh, one of which included journalism and activism. And so I'm very like involved in the politics of track and field. I also cover the sport as a journalist. Um, i go to track meets and tweet about what's happening and sometimes I write about it for various publications or just on Facebook or whatever. Um so in addition to all that like you know eventually I got married and had kids and um I I got involved with Facebook co-op groups. So this is around maybe like 2011 2012. And so these were groups where Uh, people would get together to place like a group order for something. And so you would like pre order and pay ahead of time. And so you'd all get a discounted price. And then when the product came to the person who was selling it, um, then they would send it to everyone. And so this was really popular for things like cloth diapers. We were just kind of starting to hit a point where it was really easy for consumers to connect directly with suppliers in China. And so I got involved with that. Over time, like I I think I first heard about LuLaRoe maybe late 2015. So in these co-op groups, like we had generally, most of the groups had allowed MLMs to advertise sometimes. Um, it was kind of a way for the people in the MLMs to, you know, they would offer special deals and things like that. And sometimes it was allowed in their MLMs rules and sometimes it wasn't. Um, but for me at the time, like I didn't really think that much about MLMs. Like I didn't have any interest in being involved with one, but they didn't seem particularly harmful to me. You know, it was like people selling Tupperware and 31 bags and Scentsy and it wasn't, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. And so when LuLaRoe started becoming really popular, uh, a few of the people in the co-op started selling it because like they actually did, like they ran businesses and they did have the cash on hand, more or less for the large upfront cost. Because honestly, like for the kinds of stuff we were doing, $5,000 was not necessarily as um, overwhelming as it, as it would be for some people um, if you're not involved with a business already. So I think I just sort of vaguely heard about it. It wasn't anything I was super interested in personally. I don't remember exactly like which things happened first because there were several things happening simultaneously. Um, one of the first issues that came to my attention was, in, and this is in 2016 now, um, was LuLaRoe's card payment system being compromised, and consultants and customers were having their cards breached. And one of the ways this came to my attention is because um, there was a, a vendor that I used for supplies. And I would frequently recommend them to people because they made awesome products. I, <laughs> I had actually sold their products briefly, but it was, I decided to go with washi tape. It was just, it made more sense for me, but I really recommended their products and, and would, I would recommend them to people a lot. And so then in 2016, all of a sudden I had like several women who were like, my card got compromised after I used that vendor. And, you know, if one person says it, it's like, okay, whatever. But then like a bunch of people started saying that. And I was like, oh no, that's terrible. Like, I love this company. And, you know, what if someone on the inside is is embezzling money or, you know, something like that? So um, I found the owner of the company and reached out to her directly because I was worried if I just emailed the company that like whoever was doing this would catch it, you know? Right. So the owner of the company was like, yeah, we have invested quite a bit of money into be, into having our security checked out. They never found any evidence of a breach. Um, but we did, nevertheless, we've upgraded the security on our system. like we're bulletproof now, but we're still getting these complaints. And we realized that the only people making these complaints are LuLaRoe consultants. and and they and they said that like even there would be people who would check out with PayPal. And they would make this complaint. It's like, if you checked out with PayPal, like the vendor doesn't get any of your card information. Like there's no way your card would be compromised through that vendor if you use PayPal.
0: Right. So the common denominator was that everyone that had a compromised credit card was a loro consultant.
1: Yeah. And then, and then I also like in my group of, you know, people who ran these co-op groups, like we had, I, there, I remember there was one person in there specifically who had a card She had opened up like a separate bank account for her LuLaRoe business. So she only used this with LuLaRoe and she, she had never even been to any other website and her card had been compromised multiple times as well. And so I was just like, what the heck? Like, this is not normal for a company to have their data breached and not admit to it. And I guess that was kind of the crazy thing is like, at some point, Mark was telling people that our system is more secure than PayPal <laughs> when it was like very obviously LuLaRoe system that had been breached and like their website was like not very good at this point. And I even, I had someone look at it who kind of knew some stuff about website security and stuff. And they were just like shaking their head. They were like, this is not a very secure website.
0: No, uh, I had my card that I used specifically only for LuLaRoe compromised in the very beginning and had to go through and go is this you I said no it is not and they they handled it
1: so then while like overlapping with that whole story arc happening during the same time was the sales tax issue and so that was mentioned in the documentary and a lot of people have asked like what was the sales tax issue the sales tax issue was that Roe in 2016 started um charging sales tax based on where consultants lived and not the customers that they were mailing products to. And that's just, that's not how sales tax works. Like sales tax, if you are shipping something to someone and you're in a position where you need to collect sales tax, which LuLaRoe is, because like Lululemon as a whole and all their consultants their volume of business is high enough that they have a nexus in every state and so a nexus like that means that they're responsible for collecting and remitting sales tax to every state like for me as an individual if I sell something to South Carolina I don't do that many sales to South Carolina so I don't have to collect and remit sales tax there um it it on some levels, it definitely makes sense for LuLaRoe to be handling this um, because one, like they didn't wanna take the time to educate consultants how to do this themselves. Um, so it, so the idea that LuLaRoe would handle it like was reasonable, but of course the issue was that um, Rowe was handling it wrong. But the crazy thing is like, not only were they doing it wrong, but then they had this attorney, I think he's an attorney, Terrell, um, oh,
0: yeah. Terrell Tanstrom. <laughs> He's like MLM royalty.
1: Yeah. So he wrote out this whole white paper and said that basically like there's three different ways we could do sales tax and we're choosing to do it this way. And the whole white paper was to convince consultants that we're doing it right. Right.
0: And I remember all of this. Like I literally (laughs) remember all of this. I remember being a consultant. I remember having people from like non sales tax states being like, "Why are you charging me sales tax?" I remember being like, "I can't not charge you sales tax." Like there used to be a little checkbox, and if anybody was outside the state that you lived in, you didn't have to charge them sales tax, and you could just uncheck the box. Obviously, that's not right either, and so they changed it and they made that checkbox non-existent. So everyone at that point was being charged tax. So I'd get people that were like, I live in this state and we don't get tax," And they're yelling at me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do anything. The best I can offer you is a discount to offset the cost of tax. So I was like giving people like a three or $4 discount to offset the cost of their tax because they weren't getting tax, And I was taking that hit. And then I was also losing the tax money on that. And LuLaRoe, nothing happened to them, or at least at that time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it definitely, like, became a very public issue because the customers were actually seeing and experiencing what was happening. Um, and so, yeah, quite a few customers complained about it because this was not the experience that they had shopping anywhere else online and, um, and of course there were not a number of customers who understood how sales tax works. And so they were just like, what the heck, the white paper put the consultants in this position of defending LuLaRoe's malfeasance. And, and so it was just wild having these conversations with these women who were just like guzzling the Kool-Aid and they weren't willing to take like five minutes to Google for themselves and figure out you know, if if Lula was right or not. Um, But I mean, I did feel bad. Like there were plenty of consultants who knew that this was wrong. And there's been in the litigation that has come out of this, like emails have come up in discovery where consultants were emailing home office and they were like, this is not how this works. And Lula would just send them the white paper and be like, this is what we're doing. This is what you have to do. And it was just that attitude of like, you have to either be a hundred percent on board or, you know, get out of here. Like we don't want people questioning us.
0: Absolutely. I remember I had so many customers that were like, this is not how you collect tax. And being like I don't know what to do and they're like no like this is what's going on and like sending them the white paper and they're like this is not what a tax nexus is and I was like I don't understand this stuff this is what they tell me to say and even going up and out like I could not get any information it was infuriating I felt like I was going crazy and I felt like I had no support at all yeah
1: and it and it's such a good example of how the playing field for consultants was just never level because as you mentioned before, like what happened was customers had a huge, huge incentive to purchase from consultants who lived in tax-free states because then those customers, they were not charged sales tax on those purchases and consultants would advertise this. Like if they lived in a state like Oregon that didn't charge sales tax, then they would like their graphics that they would use to advertise their group. They'd be like, we're a tax-free consultant. Um and so it was unfair on two levels. I mean, one customers were more likely to purchase from those consultants and then two, as you mentioned, a lot of consultants did feel pressured to discount the order to offset the sales tax and that cut into the profits from those consultants. And it's actually funny because in the litigation that has happened, Lula Rowe has argued in court that some of these customers were not harmed because the consultants offset the price. And it's like, oh my God, like those consultants did that out of their pocket. Like you can't take credit for that. The consultants took that out of their profits and then they have the audacity to attempt, the judge didn't buy it, but to attempt to use that as like a legal defense in court.
0: Oh but, yeah. I mean, don't the- even worry about it. We had the consultants handle our dirty work for us. Next issue. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like my so- mouth is hanging open. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, those two issues, like it definitely had LulaRo on my radar as like this company, super sketchy, 2016. Uh, so one of the co-op groups, There, there was a consultant who was selling to co-op groups, which was like, very much against of course LuLaRoe's terms but they were able to like do it anonymously so that no one knew who the consultant was it's not a cult at all right (laughs) um so I did I did purchase a few LuLaRoe pieces to sort of see what they were like and especially like the kids stuff I was curious about so I bought like a few kids items and I bought I bought a randy I must have bought leggings but I don't even remember what they ended up looking like um I was not i mean like the stuff i got was okay um it was mystery prints and the prints i got were fine um the kid stuff was actually pretty cute like i liked the kid stuff but it was like i got like a kids azure and a uh, an adeline and but then my daughter was like I'm not wearing anything cute, and like refused to wear, you know, skirts and dresses, <laughs> so they never got worn. But they were actually pretty cute. Like, Lululemon's crazy prints, like they really work for like toddlers because toddlers can
0: wear like anything, and it looks adorable. Absolutely, I, you know, they're granimals, right? And even when yeah. I was going out of business, you bought all my kids leggings from me. <laughs> And I remember sending you like a huge box of kids' leggings for your kids, like whales and solids and all kinds of crazy things.
1: Yeah. It, like over the next couple of years, I did end up buying a lot of Lou Liverolette kids' leggings because, especially for my daughter, like they just ended up working out really well from her from what like ages four to six, they were pretty much like the only pants she wore. Um, You know, the yoga waist, my, my kids both had trouble with like plumber's butt and their little butt cracks would just show all the time when they would wear like sweatpants or even like just normal kids' leggings. And so Lula Rose yoga waistband like really worked for my kids, but like I only ever bought from consultants going out of business who were using PayPal I made a few purchases on eBay, so I can't say for sure I never purchased from an active consultant, but like, I definitely never purchased using Audrey or bless because I knew that like, (laughs) it was not a safe place to purchase from. Um, And I, and I, I don't think I was ever in any like consultant groups. Like I just never got into that culture of like watching the lives and wanting to order and, and getting caught up in that. Um, That just, it didn't appeal to me personally. Closer and closer with one of my online friends who was selling Lularo, told me a lot about what was going on behind the scenes. And she had actually like talked quite a bit with other consultants having problems. And she, and so she told me about like this culture, like you can't talk about any of the problems that they're having. Like everything just gets shut down. And so even like way before Defective started, like I knew that there was so much, just really wild stuff going on. And I knew that the culture was like really sketchy. And it's funny because I even told her, I, I went back and looked in my messages and I found this, but I was like, I need to start a website called Lula Leagues. Like I knew that there was like this information that needed to get out. And I was like Googling and there just wasn't, there was hardly anything online. Um, but I mean, I I didn't have the time and skills to actually start a website like that
0: um it's so funny because I said the same thing to Ryan McKnight I was like we need to start Lula Leaks uh (laughs) it was like right after I got out I was like we need to do this
1: by like mid-2016 there were a lot of problems with Lula but if you googled there was basically nothing and that's part of the thing that people don't understand it's easy for people to watch Lula Rich and just sort of victim blame the consultants And think that they're all just really gullible and dumb for buying into this company. But they don't understand. Like, there was a period of time when LuLaRoe was so hot and like everything was selling. And the quality was generally good. You know, the prints were like mostly good, and the bad prints were generally like not that bad. Um, and there was just this huge fad, and people were just eating it up, and so. A lot of people joined because it seemed like a legitimate chance to make money and, you know, and maybe it could have been less harmful if they had, you know, made a lot of better business decisions. But of course we know that they didn't, but that was the other thing is like when people tried to research the company, there just wasn't the information out there. And so, so in 2016, like I'm hearing all this sketchy stuff about LuLaRoe and so I'm researching, I started getting curious, like what, what's going on here? The only thing I could find was a a post on, it was a comment on Reddit. I think it was in like a financial group and someone had asked like their, their wife wanted to join LuLaRoe and somebody replied. And at the time, like this comment didn't make any sense. And they were just talking about how like, listen, I know this family and they basically said like they're all con artists and like every time they have success, the whole family jumps on board and they just jump from like scheme to scheme and they listed like all these things in the family's background and things that they are connected to like Yo Gabba Gabba and Aquabats and the Jets and other MLMs and and. Uh, you know, oh, this, this business where the, uh, the guy wasn't paying his employees. <laughs> and I like, none of it, it, it just sort of all to the average person reading that it just went over their head. And if you were, even if you found that as a consultant trying to research Lululemon, it wouldn't, would be very easy to dismiss because you've got tens of thousands of women saying how amazing it is. Of course, there's always going to be a few disgruntled people.
0: These claims were like, this can't be true. Like, this is insane. I remember seeing that after I got out because that was not available when I was looking in 2015. And I remember seeing that when I got out and I was like, oh my God, this is, (laughs) this is all true.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's super crazy because later we went back and like looked up all the claims that were made and pretty much everything we've been able to verify. I mean, there were a few things that they said that we couldn't verify. And, and of course the problem is some of these were things that happened before the internet. So there just isn't like much of a paper trail on them, but yeah, they were talking about, I mean, all those groups that they are connected to Laroe and that family, and they were talking about scammy Sammy's business. Uh He had this little scandal where he wasn't paying his place. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I knew that there was this need for this, not this knowledge about how sketchy LuLaRoe was to get out there. Um, And, but I, you know, I was like, I have a lot of other stuff going on in my life. I had two kids and I'm a, you know, track and field person and I'm running a small business. So I was in a few groups. Like, I think I was in a group, like a LuLaRoe fails type groups group where people would talk about like, you know, the bad pattern, like the print, when the print placement was bad and stuff like that. Um, But even the people who ran those types of groups, like they wouldn't really let there be much criticism of the company. Like it was more of just a playful group. Like, oh, we're all having a good time here, but you couldn't really like get into any serious criticism. But then the the quality of the leggings went down and more and more people were having holes and other issues with their leggings. And so then in late 2016, Dean started the original LuLaRoe Defective Group. And that was... The the whole title was long. I think it was like LuLaRoe, Defective, Ripped, Torn Leggings, and Other Clothing or something like that.
0: Um, that was really long. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we just call it Defective. Um, but yeah, so as soon as I saw that, I joined the group. And I was like one of the first people, first few hundred people to join the group. So pretty quickly, like the group grew really fast because there were so many customers having problems and they hadn't really had a good place to talk about it and well and the other issue was at that time there was so much victim blaming going on to the customers of the clothing and it's kind of unreal because I know in our culture we have such a you know the customer is always right type of attitude and we're perhaps a little spoiled and and overly used to that but in this case the customer was right like the leggings were garbage they were Many, many, not all of them, but a lot of them were developing holes immediately or very quickly. And the response from the consultants was, you need a bigger size. You must have washed them wrong. You must have, your fingernails are too sharp and you must have poked it. And the, I, the consultants had a hard time getting refunds from Lularo, so they didn't want to refund the customers because that was just coming out of their pocket. Um, I mean, I know there were a lot of, and there were a lot of consultants who would do an exchange, but of course the issue was that they almost never had the exact same print. So from the customer's standpoint, it was tough because if they liked that pair of leggings, it's like, you know, the consultant would offer a chain, an exchange, but all they had were ugly ones that the customer didn't want. Um,
0: yeah, and it, I would usually take the photos of the return because back in the day, you just needed to show the photos. They wouldn't actually have you send it back. So I would take the photos of the damage and then I would say, pick another one and you can keep the holy ones as jammies or whatever's. Um I I exchanged so many, so many leggings.
1: So that issue was what really got the Facebook group. It, it grew very, very quickly um and then so there, then there started being some me a little bit of media attention and up until this point there had been no interest in the media whatsoever there had been nothing negative about lula roe just a you know just a few fluff pieces about what an amazing company they were and how successful their consultants were and how fast they had grown um and then a few months after the group started, I think it was February 2017, there was um, the sales tax lawsuit. And so that was like the first lawsuit that anybody knew of, knew about. Um, because of my background as a journalist, like I was familiar with using PACER <laughs> because uh, USA Track and Field got itself into a legal battle with its own volunteers. And that ended up in federal court on PACER. Um, so i used pacer to look up the lawsuit and then in the process i'm like oh they actually have they actually just got sued in january for copyright infringement and so that was kind of the beginning of like me getting really interested in that in the lawsuits and stuff because like from there it snowballed i mean i think they had i want to say like 22 lawsuits by the end of 2017 like they got sued for having defective leggings. I, I think the first warehouse worker lawsuits even might've gone that far back. Like they were just getting sued for everything.
0: You um, really like logged into Pacer and opened Pandora's box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I just knew it wasn't normal for a company to be sued this often. And of course, like Lululemon was just blowing it off. Like, look, every big company gets sued and that's true. But I started comparing with like, other MLMs and also like Target <laughs> and like not Amazon because Amazon is a million times bigger and they do get sued all the time. But um I mean pretty much every other country I compared Lularo to like yeah they get sued but not like not that much. <laughs> and yeah. and like much bigger companies and the type of litigation was different true. Like like copyright copyright lawsuits are fairly common if you sell clothing um, you probably at some point are going to get, end up getting hit by one, um, but it, it, like, usually it's not as egregious, like, the more normal type of co- copyright lawsuits is, like, you know, there's, like, sort of an Aztec print, like, I've seen a bunch like this with Lululemon and other companies, like, there's kind of, like, an Aztec print, and then, the the first company and the second company have one that's pretty similar and I mean maybe the second company copied but it's it's kind of obscure um whereas like lula rose were like detailed artwork that they were stealing from artists like they were like super obvious things it wasn't just like kind of a more obscure pattern I mean (laughs) well they were still they were stealing almost everything so there were also more obscure patterns as we learned later um right but it was
0: like so blatant like there are people that were like um this print is literally on this other thing that I have
1: yeah so anyway that's a really long story as to how I got interested in it and I hope that answered your question and it's honestly like it's I if my answer doesn't isn't the exact same as what I've given in the past like it's a bit confusing just because um (laughs) there were because there were multiple things going on at the same time so i've actually tried to like go back and look at old messages and facebook posts to, to try and put together a, a timeline
0: School is almost out. The sunshine is on its way and I am embracing cute mom summer with some brand new items from quince.com. I just got finished shopping and I cannot wait for my order to arrive. Shipping is always fast and free. So I will be showing off my new threads in no time. I already have one of their organic cotton gauze roll sleeve shirts, but it is a serious favorite. So I grabbed another one in black because you can never have too many favorite broken in teas. And I pre-ordered a brushed short sleeve lounge tea in Heather oatmeal. It looks so comfy and relaxed and it's basically my work uniform. It's made with 65% lensing ecovera viscose, whose fibers are derived from sustainable wood and pulp from certified and controlled sources. It's free of harmful substances and the manufacturing cycle has been optimized to drastically reduce the environmental impact compared to traditional viscose. And lastly, I think I am most excited for my European linen short sleeve swing dress. Quince has some adorable dresses in tons of fabrics and fits, but I couldn't stop thinking about me wearing the classic seersucker style white and blue stripes down at the bay this summer. It is such a classic look for the season, and I fell in love with the breathable lightweight fabric. It gets hot in San Diego, and I am all about keeping cool while staying fashionable and affordable. And with this order, I am saving over 70% off what high-end brands would charge. So join me and get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. I got really lucky with Abby because she is super self-sufficient at 12. She can make her own food, clean up after herself, and I rarely have to hound her about schoolwork. But other things don't, like having hard conversations about money and teaching financial responsibility. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, And the kids build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. They learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to games that teach money skills in fun, accessible ways. The Greenlight app also includes a chores feature where you can set up customized chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Nowadays, this is much safer than carrying around a plastic bag full of babysitting money that you're planning to spend on the newest Casingle. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight, including us. It's the easy convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids. Sign up for Greenlight and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com/mlm. That's greenlight.com/mlm to try Greenlight for free. greenlight.com/mlm I remember when I first got access to the internet in 1994. I was 13 and it was the digital wild west. I was one of the only kids in the neighborhood with an internet service provider, so slumber parties at my house on weekends lasted well into the early mornings hanging out in creepy chat rooms. And I didn't even grow up with the internet the way today's kids have. Now as a mom, I can only imagine what it's like for them to have that sort of all access pass without the life skills and experiences to balance it out. We've had many conversations about what content is and isn't age-appropriate online, but with today's peer pressure, those talks only go so far, which is why I want to tell you about Gab. Gab is the leader in safe smartphones and watches for kids, teens, and tweens. No social media apps, no internet browser, and it's got GPS tracking. Gab devices were built from the ground up with smart filtration that proactively blocks harmful content before it ever reaches your kid. It's a great way to keep safely connected. The phones and watches are still tech that kids actually want. Abby's got the Gab watch and she is loving it. There's unlimited talk, text, clean music, streaming, and over 100 third-party apps that can be installed at the parent's discretion. This is the absolute best time to check them out because right now, Gab is offering $25 off any device to new customers with no contract required. That's $25 off any Gab smartphone or smartwatch. Just go to gab.com slash MLM. That's where you'll get the best deal. That's G-A-B-B dot com slash MLM. Gab.com slash MLM. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but there's still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts, registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. Get registered there in minutes and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. And then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections that really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See you at the polls. Uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, basically before Defective started, I knew LuLaRoe was sketchy. I knew there was a story there. I just didn't have like an outlet. Like I wasn't the right like me on my own I didn't have a platform like I could post to my Facebook but you know like three people would see it who might be interested right and so Defective gave all of us a platform I mean it gave me a platform but I mean that's the thing is like this was never just about me like it was always such a group effort and there was so much crowdsourcing and a lot of what I've done is just connecting the dots on information. And sometimes it's information I've found through Googling myself, but a lot of times it was like, we would get tips from people and then we would try and verify the tips that came in and that would help us know what to search for. And that's half the battle is like, what am I looking for? <laughs> and yeah. so people, people giving us tips really helped with that.
0: Yeah. And, and that was so cool. You know, I didn't join Defecta for like a year after you got in there and you guys had uncovered quite a bit of stuff. Um, But that's what's so cool about that group was that every single person that joined was another puzzle piece in this giant puzzle. And the stuff that I came in with confirmed things that people were like, I'm pretty sure this is happening, but I don't have confirmation. And I was like, hey, I can confirm that. And then things I was saying and I was like, I I've never heard anybody else say this. Someone else would join months later and go, I can confirm that. And all of a sudden, every single one of us that had these puzzle pieces, whether it was you that had looked up lawsuits and gone, you guys, this company's kind of shady. Like we should look into it and see what there is. Or people like me that was like, I know it's shady and I can show you the proof of it. And like you said, it has always been a collective effort. You know, I i don't take any credit for the movement or any of this. Like I am just one, like I said, one puzzle piece in our team. And I know you're in the same groups in the chats that I'm in with all these like behind the scenes chats, like, oh my God, guys, look what I found. Is there anything connected here? And then we're digging in the middle of the night or someone tagged Becca, have her hop on Pacer and check it out. Where's Roberta? I think she knows that person. Maybe she can ask them. Like it was just, it was such a, I don't know, it was, it was some of the most fun times I've had like with strangers on the internet and like we all became friends. Like in these chats, just digging and digging and digging.
1: Well, and one honestly, like one of the best ways to describe it is just to get on Netflix and watch "Don't F with Cats" because, like, like that came out and we all watched. Oh my that god! And we were like, oh my god! Like this is what we have been doing
0: the past few years, right? I watched that and I was like, oh my god, you guys—they made a movie about <laughs> defective.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, thankfully ours didn't really involve a
0: murder. Um, but basically everything else was the same. I mean, I just, I, it was like the craziest things. I remember going in there and being like, you guys, I have this stinkiest, nastiest leggings. They were soaking wet. Here's a video. Check out these old wet water damage tags. Check out, check out the mildew doing these videos. I can't, you guys can't see the smell, but these ones are stinky, you know? And I showed these videos. And there were so many people that were like, I had those red leggings. They were disgusting. I had them in purple. I had, you know, and they, the people were confirming people were confirming. And then all of a sudden someone goes, oh my God, you guys, I have a picture. And they sent us the picture from the inside of their car of all the gay lords in the parking lot. And we were like, oh my God. And then we headed to Google earth. You remember that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I went to like, like on my phone, I had like three different map apps. I had like Google Earth, Google Maps, MapQuest, Apple Maps, and like, and they all use different satellite imagery. So like, I'm on my phone on like all these different apps, pulling up all these different satellite images, and they're all showing, you know, slight variations of the same thing, which is just tons of clothing in the parking lot.
0: The whole parking lot behind the main warehouse. Was blue because it was blue tarps covering just crates and crates and crates and crates and crates of Lularo that is just sitting out in the sun, out in the rain, out in the elements in Southern California.
1: And the crazy thing is that the period of time that the stuff was sitting outside was a period of time that consultants were struggling to get product. Like they were out of stock of everything that people wanted. And it's just the warehouse was so mismanaged, like everything else in the company, because of course they had family managing it and it was just such a disaster. And so, you know, they were ordering product based on the demand, but then the warehouse just couldn't uh, process it and like manage it adequately. And they probably just didn't want to pay. Like a lot of the warehouse workers were temps, so they could have just like, brought in more temps to clear the backlog and get the stuff out of the parking lot. But of course, like, they never wanted to spend money on things like that. Like, there's so many problems that they've had where it's like, they just could, if they had put some money towards it, like taken a a tiny amount of Mark and Deanne's profits and put it towards like more graphic designers, you guys got better prints. It could have made such a difference, but it, it was just like...
0: Nope, we're not going to do that. Nope, because, like you said, it was always a scam. You say that all the time. I say that all the time. It was always a scam.
1: Yeah, and and so I actually started saying that and using that as a hashtag after the my dire lawsuit came out because up until that point, I was pretty skeptical about the whole thing, but I was also willing to give them the the benefit of the doubt that they started this with good intentions. And that they made this big mistake of just hiring, you know, unqualified family members, but that they didn't necessarily have bad intentions, that they were just not intelligent enough to make good decisions for the company. I mean, Mark is a high school dropout and like he brags about that to people. I'm actually surprised they didn't mention it in Lula Ridge, um, because he he thinks it's hilarious that he's a high school dropout and now he's making more money than anybody <laughs>
0: Uh, um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard where he likes to say in like the room full of mentors. I think Courtney's told me this and other people too, that he likes to look around and say, Hey, I dropped out of high school. And I'm the richest guy in the room, which I think yep. is just so gross.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, and that's part of why I bring it up is because Mark has a, such a gross attitude about it. Like, I, I don't think I would mention it as often otherwise, but he's the one who like inserts it in the conversation. Um, they. So yeah, up until the MyDire lawsuit, it was, I wasn't necessarily sure what their intentions were, but then when that lawsuit was filed, it just became really clear. I mean, there was just so much stuff in that lawsuit, the things that they had said and that they had just had so many warnings about like, you know, that the ship is, (laughs) the, the train is coming off the tracks and they just absolutely refused to do anything to correct the course. And so that's when I started using the hashtag. It was always a scam was when that lawsuit came out because there's just, I don't, I mean, I guess you could read the lawsuit and think that my Dyer is lying. And I know that like maybe Dan Kang is a little bit sketchy too. I don't know. Like maybe my Dyer is not the best company ever, but when they're compared to Lularo, like I'm going to go with my Dyer every day. And my Dyer actually has receipts. Whereas (laughs) Lularo. Uh, basically, like countersued my dyer and is like, oh no, actually my dyer owes us all this money. But like, <laughs> Lularoe like didn't have any evidence of this. They were basically like, we'll produce the evidence at trial. <laughs> and my mydire <laughs> is just like, we don't know what they're talking about. Like, we really, we would love to see receipts. And actually, one of the claims Lularoe was making, they would claim that like, well, we didn't receive this shipment. And it's like, I, I think what actually was happening was just that LuLaRoe's record keeping was so poor that LuLaRoe may not have a record of receiving some of these shipments, but that doesn't mean they didn't receive them. It's just, I mean, look, it was all out in the parking lot. So the company that is like destroying their inventory in the parking lot, I'm not really going to take their word for it that they didn't receive something. It probably was just in a pile out there and didn't
0: get accounted for properly. That's probably exactly what happened. So we've had so many different lawsuits over the years. There's been employee lawsuits. There's been, you know, the IP lawsuits, the, the copyright lawsuits, the My Dyer lawsuit, the defective product. There's so many. You say that there's dozens. Where did, where did we lose count? At 50? 50.
1: I mean, once we got well into the 30s, it got harder for me to keep track of. And it's also it also just gets into a lot of fuzziness about, like, what do you want to call a lawsuit? Because there's just been a there's been a lot of litigation. But like, if a consultant in Pennsylvania files a case in small claims court against them, that's a really minor thing compared to like class action lawsuits overcharging sales tax wrong. And so. And the other issue is, like, I, I can't check, like, I can't check every court in the country because PACER is, like, the federal cases, and PACER is great. It's really easy to search, and it's pretty cheap. I mean, it costs money, but it's, it's pretty cheap. But then, like, these counties, some of them are really expensive to search on. And I've seen LulaRo lawsuits pop up in the most random places And part of why I got away from wanting to peg a number on it is because, like, I I, I don't know. Like, I think there's so much litigation that we don't know about. And then the other issue is there's legal action that doesn't make it to court. Like, like we know that there's a lot of um, artists who their artwork was stolen by LuLaRoe and they didn't sue LuLaRoe. There's not a lawsuit, but they had attorneys contact LuLaRoe and they received some sort of compensation. Um, and so, you know, like with the copyright stuff, it's like, I don't know, there were maybe nine or 10 actual lawsuits, but the, well, we, we know that the amount of stolen prints was like all of them practically. And, um, (laughs) We know that quite a few ended up in legal action that never went to court. So it, yeah, so the question about how many lawsuits, it just gets so fuzzy. I, I do wanna update, like I had a list going of the, the actual lawsuits that were filed and like the, uh, the number for the lawsuit and what court they're in. Um, so I do wanna try and update that with more that I know about, but it just, yeah. It, it, gets, it gets really complicated and it's like hard to answer that question.
0: So as somebody who sits and goes through these, you edit them, you read them, you highlight them, you share the highlights and all the good stuff. Like what has been some of your favorite things that you've seen in these, uh, cases and these depositions?
1: My number one favorite was definitely the, my lawsuit and the quote, (laughs) the quote from Mark, where he's saying that he and Deanne are just going to take their two to $300 million and go to the Bahamas and fuck everything. Like that was i mean okay like i'm not a lawyer i haven't really covered a ton of litigation outside of lulubro but like i mean that was definitely like the wildest thing i'd ever read in a lawsuit and it just like when i when this lawsuit was filed and i posted it to defective like it blew like the group blew up like we had Facebook turns off notifications on a post once it's over a thousand comments. And like, I think we had a thousand comments on that post within like a few hours, like everyone was dying. And there's a lot of other really good entertaining stuff in that lawsuit too. That might Uh, be my
0: favorite Mark quote of all time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was my number one. I think my number two was the triangles because So this was, what happened was there was an artist and she'd made a number of like nice patterns, designs type stuff. And she made one that involved triangles and she had it watermarked. Um, so when LuLaRoe copied her triangles, it would have taken, the watermark was not complex. Like I could have in, you know, MS paint, taken like like two seconds to get those watermark marks out of there. And <laughs> LuLaRoe didn't do that, but when they copied everything over, the quality of the watermark degraded enough. Like you couldn't read what it said. You couldn't really tell it was words or anything. It was just like, there was these triangles and then just randomly, there's kind of like some dots on them. And it didn't really make sense. Like, it didn't add anything to the pattern. It kind of made it uglier. But it was, you know, all the Louisville patterns were like that. It's like, oh, this could be a good pattern if they just hadn't done this weird thing to it. So it just kind of seemed like another pattern where, like, the designer did some weird thing to it that made it uglier. And no one ever thought that much of it. And then, and no one even thought to check if this was stolen. Like, they're just freaking triangles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: right and i then, mean who steals triangles right
1: so then she files a lawsuit and it's got a side by side of lula Rose pattern and her pattern because what had happened is like she was just literally like in like a local buy sell trade group and somebody puts up this pair of leggings for sale and it's her pattern and <laughs> she's just like what the heck And so she submits this lawsuit and it's got a side-by-side of the two patterns and you can see where her watermark, like that's the dots on those triangles. That's (laughs) amazing. So I actually did a ton of research um, looking up on eBay, like other pieces of clothing that had that pattern because... They didn't just steal the pattern. They had like 10 different colorways for it. And like some of them they made the triangles bigger and some were smaller, but you could tell it was all the same artwork. And so I reached out to the artist and I was um, you know, sending her different colorways in case it was helpful in their lawsuit because they I mean, in my opinion, they should, you know, try to get more money since it was used on a lot of stuff. Um And she was so funny. And she was basically just like, what the heck of it? She's like, that's not even my best work. (laughs) Like, of all the things that they could have stolen from her, like, I looked at her art and I mean, hers was better. Like, her original design and colors that she used was a lot better. And it probably would have been cute on like a a Randy or something, like the sleeves. But yeah, like, Lularo just made it worse. Um, So yeah, that was one of my favorites. Like, that one just absolutely. It cracks me up. Um, That is so
0: ridiculous.
1: I'm trying to think from the other losses there's definitely been I mean the sales tax one was very satisfying of course because like we all were like arguing with consultants for a year about sales tax so it was like Well, the the whole lawsuit was hilarious because LuLaRoe would make these claims, like the things that LuLaRoe was claiming in court, of course, did not match their actions with consultants. So, you know, LuLaRoe gets taken to court for this and they were basically like, hey, listen, we knew we were doing it wrong. We were having trouble with our software. It was just a short temporary thing. Now we've fixed it. We've refunded everyone's sales tax. We were always going to fix it. And it's like... It went on for over a year and they didn't fix it
0: until after they got sued. Why do you keep telling me that you're going to fix it and then you're not fixing it? Like, why? Why do you keep telling me, promising me these things or empty promises just to satiate me to get me to the next time that I complain about it? What's the point?
1: Well, and it was the same thing with the defective leggings lawsuit. It was like they um, refused to admit there was a problem. And they were, and of course, like Lululemon always blames about how low their return rate is. And, and this has come up in court. They're like, our rate of return is way below the industry average. And it's, but it's like, that number doesn't mean anything because people could not
0: return their leggings. How do you brag about your low return rate when you literally don't let people, <laughs> of course, you're going to have a low return rate if you don't let people return things.
1: And even when they did start accepting returns or people submitting stuff by photos, I think there was a lot of pressure on the downlines to not do that. Um, I think at least in some cases, uplines just encourage the consultants to think like a business owner and, you know, especially like with not just the leggings, but like there might be a dress with a hole in the seam and, or just. I mean, there were just so many different kinds of defects and there would just be this pressure of like, think like a business owner, discount the product,
0: you know, sew it yourself. I'm wondering how many employees at Target, like go through the racks and find holes. And they're like, Hey, where's the uh, travel sewing kit so I could fix this up real quick before we open.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's zero, thing- I bet zero you don't get you don't normally get clothing with holes that even makes it to the racks at target because they have actual quality control and that's what i mean lula Road just clearly never had any sort of competent quality control i don't want to say they didn't have quality control because they may have and we do we did find out at one point there was like there was a batch of saint patrick's day stuff maybe 2016 i remember that Yeah. I mean, there, there was And so uh, there was a batch of St. Patrick's Day leggings and there was something wrong with them. And so they never sold it to the consultants. So I guess I don't want to say that LuLaRoe never did quality control because there was an also, also an issue with black leggings later where they kind of recalled them. I think they were too thin. Um, but yeah, I but, but so many products, like like the vast majority of products that did have issues when they were manufactured, still made it to the customers.
0: Yeah. So, like those monkey leggings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the sock monkey leggings were the only pair of leggings that Lularo has ever really officially recalled. Um, I mean, I guess they kind of did on the black ones, but this was the only print they ever recalled. So even with all the copyright stuff that went on, like once those infringing products went out to consumers, LuLaRoe never tried to get, or, or even to consultants, LuLaRoe never tried to get them back. And that was actually hard for some of the consultants because we had leggings and the consultant knew that the print had been stolen but Lululemon wouldn't—they wouldn't take them back. And some of the consultants, like they didn't—they didn't, they didn't want to sell stolen artwork. They didn't realize that all the prints were stolen. Um, but there was a pair in 2016 of leggings, and they contained sock monkeys. But instead of having like just a cute cartoonish sock monkey face. It's like an incredibly racist caricature and I've posted it to Twitter. So if you go to twitter.com slash defective Becca and like search for racist, or you can search the index on my pinned tweet, um, you can see for yourself. And so those yeah, they are, are mm. they are really racist. And so I know that you interviewed Lachey and it, it sounded like maybe she had something to do with <laughs> pressuring the company to recall them. But that was one of the first, like that was one of the first issues that came up in Defective, like posts about those would come up. And like we had sort of a de facto rule in the group or we might've even written it as a rule. I don't remember, but we just finally had to put it in writing. Like this is racist. This is not up for debate because we had so many people who were like, that's not racist. And (laughs) Heather and I were just like, we're not having this conversation like this is racist (laughs) if you and 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 like a lot of people did make an effort to educate people as to why it was racist and so maybe some people at first didn't get it and then they actually like saw pictures of the caricatures and understood why it was racist um but a lot of people just didn't want to understand they're just basically like well it doesn't offend me personally so it's it's not racist (laughs)
0: Oh God, those people. Okay. Um, (laughs) Okay, Becky. (laughs) Right? Um, But I think the most curious thing about those disgusting monkey leggings is that we never found an original art on those, which leads us to believe they were created in-house.
1: Yeah, I asked uh, Maria about that the other day because she and Mindy had done the bulk of the work matching the prints. And yeah, they tried. She said they tried, like they actually put quite a bit, a bit of effort into finding that. So,
0: and I, the and it, and it body like- of the monkey looks like it could be a stolen print and that someone changed the face because the body is a sock monkey body. It has the little cuffed hands and feet. Yeah. It looks like a sock yeah, monkey. The it even trying, has the I mean, texture of a sock. Uh huh. But then the face is like, <laughs> what? so I wonder if the body is out there somewhere and the face was created in-house
1: yeah it could have been who knows or maybe they just got it some like dark place on the internet that we're not privy to oh
0: my god I never would yeah
1: we we never never found a match for that so but yeah it just it just says a lot about the culture of LuLaRoe that that was a print that uh Patrick and what was the other guy's name was it Brian Brian yeah I mean they saw that print especially Brian
0: yeah like they signed off on it they had to have signed off on it
1: yeah like I don't want to say 100% for sure that Patrick approved every single print although I think he did but Brian definitely did like other people saw that
0: before it went into production and they thought it was fine And they had Lachey, like saying, you guys can't send that out. And they're like, "Mm, it's probably fine.
1: But we know, I mean, the other thing is we, one of the reasons we know there was a lot of racism in the company um, is because there was a whole lawsuit from one of the warehouse workers and he experienced quite a bit of racism in the warehouse and gave very specific examples of things that happened things that were said to him that were very inappropriate i'm not even going to repeat uh and of course like he took his complaints to hr and was just completely dismissed and it, it was not dealt with appropriately um it was a really not a good work environment uh and we also had a lawsuit from another warehouse worker who was female who experienced some just really really awful sexual harassment like very borderline criminal like there were not criminal charges but it was like like it was getting very close to you might be able to charge a crime on this stuff and so I don't want to go into her whole story right now but but it was the same thing like she reported this stuff to HR and actually the first person she talked to was just very supportive and like what the heck but then as soon as it went to the person above that representative like It, the whole thing was, was dealt with very, very poorly. And I mean, this poor girl was very traumatized. Um, So I, both of those lawsuits appear to have settled. I mean, they didn't go to trial. So I hope both of the,
0: both of the victims. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.